Hello and welcome to Red the Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I am your host, Adrielle, and I am honestly so excited about this. I'm fired up in advance for every episode that I will be uploading to this platform because I believe it's important now more than ever for us to be talking about the goodness of God. With every discouraging thing happening right now in people's lives and wars going on and depression rising and relationships taking hits, we need God more now than ever before. Creation is grieving. To tell you the truth, God speaks to me in so many different ways. And he most often speaks to me through motherhood. One day early this year, I was using the restroom and my baby was crying for me outside the door, waiting for me to pick him up. So of course I'm rushing, trying to get myself together as quickly as I can. And the Lord stopped me in my tracks and said to me, the way that he's crying for you is exactly how my creation is crying out for me. And I just thought, my God, we have got to rise up as a people. Those that God chose to spread his love have got to rise up and manifest. Let me tell you something. The only way God's power will be performed on earth is if it's done through us, his vessels. As it is in heaven, so it can be on earth if we rise up. And to confirm this even more, the Lord started showing me license plates this year that have had the initials C-R-Y on them (laughs) because creation is crying out for us to manifest God on earth. He told me a month ago when I had asked him why he chose me for this. And he said, because there was a position that needed to be filled and you were the one for the job. And this isn't my message today, but can I just prophesy to you really quickly? and tell you that you're the one for the job. You have been chosen to answer the cries of God's people. There's something that he placed in you that is the answer to somebody's problem. You are the one for the job. And that's honestly what this podcast is all about. Building you up, even though the world may be breaking down around you. Red is going to be the platform that will R, reshape the character, E, edify the mind, and D, develop the walk, helping you to remain rooted in the blood of Christ in every situation. And by the way, red is, although it's a color, it is also the acronym for rooted. The R stands for root, and then you add on the ED, and that word becomes rooted. We are rooted in all things God. We are in this world, but not of this world. We are in his image. And let me just say, God is good. God is good. Because I woke up this morning and truly felt seen by him. I saw his heart toward me, toward us, his children. He doesn't care nearly as much about all the wrong you've done as much as he cares for you. 
the shoulda, coulda, wouldas really can hold us back from seeing what he sees in us. They are on such a minute level compared to how madly in love he is with us. You are the apple of his eye. And I even had a dream about this the other night where I was speaking to this celebrity and I'm not going to name her, but she seemed really disappointed in herself. I'm not sure exactly what had happened before our conversation, but she came to me and said, Adriel, I wish I could be more like you. I wish I could just be free with the Lord and let him use me any way that he wants to without me doubting myself. And I kneeled down in front of her and I told her, first of all, you are like me. So stop beating yourself up. And secondly, God does not care about all of what your past involves. When he died for you, he took care of your entire life. You have an eternal life tab that God has signed off on. And his love for you is bigger than what you know. The Bible says that nothing in all of creation can separate God's love from us, which is in Christ Jesus. I definitely encouraged her because she even finished the scripture with me. And we left that conversation. And I was actually crying during the conversation because I honestly felt his heart. I felt his heart, y'all. God loves us. We have got to wake up and know we are loved by God. We beat ourselves up too harshly and it holds us back from walking into the fullness of who he is. And it's crazy hearing myself preach this today because I can reminisce on old times and think, man, I don't think I'll ever forget the times I've been overlooked and underestimated. The times people have offended me for no reason and the times I've defended myself for this one reason, longing to be seen, to truly be seen. I'll never forget the moments I've cried out to God asking, why me and why not them? Why am I the target? Why are they being praised? Why am I the one no one notices? Why do they have all the honor and attention? Why am I unseen? I'll never forget living in pure agony and isolation The time I spent wishing I could trade places, trade characters, trade personas and looks, thinking that if I was her, if I were them, then somehow my life would magically shift into ultimate bliss. Looking back now, I see that this was all just a waste of time, energy and tears because I am not in control of how people see me. 
I'm not in control of whether they hate me or love me. I'm not in control. And it shouldn't be the thing that drives my identity or kills it. Whether they clap for me or cuss me out, whether they sympathize with me or stab me in the back, that's not my problem. And that's not the area God has given me authority. The only place I have authority in is accessing the power and boldness from the Holy Spirit that lives in me. The he that works through me to accomplish the good for his glory. Well, then my inner man is where my focus should be. Not worrying about what's happening out there. Because at the end of the day, it's not about you and them. It's about you and him. Your relationship with yourself and your intimacy with God. And although I'm confident to get on a mic today and share my wisdom and experience, I could never take the credit for it. It was God who came to me one morning and he not only put me in my rightful place, but he put me in my righteous place. He said, you cannot change the way people see you, but you can change the way you see yourself. And as long as you see you the way I see you, then your vision is clear. So today, I want to talk about vision. In fact, the title of my message is, He Sees the Unseen. And that's a whole message by itself. So if you want to click off the podcast and go with that, then you good. But if you want some more details, if you want me to break this thing down, then let's get into it. But before we get into that and unpack some things, let's pray. Father, help us to see you clearer than we ever have before. Help us to see ourselves the way you intended, the brilliance that created us. We are the clay. You are the potter. Mold us into a people that remain alert, a people that do not allow culture and customs to break our identity and kill our vision. Help us to be the light as you are in a world that has been infiltrated with evil intent. We are here to transform, not to conform, to please you, not to fit in. And we're okay with being unseen, for we know that this means we are in this world, but not of this world. We are rooted and established in you, by you, and for you. We are yours. Lord, help me to teach this the way you gave it to me and prepare their hearts and minds to receive it. In your name we pray. Amen. The definition of the word see is to perceive with the eyes or to discern visually. This is the most basic level of using our sight. This is how we normally look at things and people, paying attention to what is on the outside, what is recognized by the naked eye. This is why we surf our closets every day looking for the perfect outfit to look good in, 
This is why women put on makeup and why men get a lineup. But I'm not saying there's anything wrong with all of this. You should wash your face in the morning and you should brush your teeth. But what I want you to catch here is that there's a difference between getting yourself ready in the mornings to feel good versus getting yourself ready to seek attention from people. Because some of us just do too much for attention. And when that happens, that person is never truly fulfilled because they're looking for validation everywhere but their inner man and God. And this is where the spirit of depression and shame and guilt and insecurity can creep up and try to take you out. So in order to preserve the richness of the soil planted in you by God, you have to see yourself the way he intended. And to do that, you need to first learn how he sees you. When God sees us, he uses a powerful acronym for this word. He S searches, E everything, E effectively to, S save his seed. So when God sees us, he searches everything effectively to save his seed. Two major ways he sees you is number one, he sees through you. And the definition of see-through is to detect the true nature of a person. The second way he sees you is he sees you through, which means he persists with an undertaking until you are fully equipped in him and your work here is complete. So number one, he sees through you. And two, he sees you through. Let's unpack what it means for God to detect the true nature of his people. We are the seed birthed by Christ, according to the word. John says all things were made through him, meaning reproduction took place. A child is made through its mother and she gives birth to it. We were made through Christ and he gave birth to us. We're his seed. And because we're his seed, we hold his name. Just like a child takes on the name of his or her family, we take on the Lord's name. Jesus says, I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. So we're all a part of his unified body. I mean, it's honestly, it's beautiful how he intertwined all of us and him as one, the father, the son, and the seed. He could have easily called us the dirt beneath his feet, <laughs> considering the death he took on for our disobedience when he didn't do a thing. But instead, he says what? I don't call you servants. I call you friends and co-heirs with me. Co-heirs. That means standing beside Jesus, not behind him. The Lord says, I'll let you take on my name and my image. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, God paints a clear picture of what it means to bear his image. He says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will ask, Lord, when did we see you and do all of these things for you? 
And he will reply, for as long as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then in Luke 10, when he sends out the 72 two by two, he tells them, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. So he not only sees us as his seed, but he sees us as himself. That's why he always says, do it all in my name. Whatever you do, do it in my name. Because he's given us access to the kingdom of God using his signature. Come on, that is good. When we work for the glory of the king, he signs off on it as if he's done it. Because he has. Because he lives in us and we in him. And we can't do anything apart from him. But with him, we can do everything. So you see the difference? Under his death and resurrection, we also died and were made alive. So now, when we mess up and sin against God, the Father looks at us being in the image of his Son, and he forgives us. Because the Son sacrificed himself to give us grace instead of condemnation. He took our place. Talk about being a good God. He sees us as himself. That's, that is a whole word. That is, wow. Now, the word clarifies this in the beginning. If you go back and read Genesis 1 and 27, you'll find that it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female. That was after he had already said in verse 26 that he would create us in his image. So in total, he expressed that phrase three different times. Let us make mankind in our image the first time. God created man in his own image the second. In the image of God, he created them the third. And we all know that three is the number of completion and unity anyways. That's why there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why Christ was put on the cross at the third hour of the day and died at 3 p.m., that's why he spoke three transformational words on the cross. It is finished. And that's why we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. I mean, I can honestly go on and on. Three is completion. And if God says something once, believe him. If he has to say it twice, it's because you overlooked what he said the first time. And if he has to say it a third time, somebody in the back ain't listening. I remember I remember one time me and my son, my oldest son, were in the car one day and I don't remember where we were going or what we were talking about before this, but I was trying to tell him something and he was like, wait, mommy, hold on a second. Can you repeat that? Because I had turned my ears off. Hold on. Let me turn them back on. Okay, you good. Go ahead, mommy. And I'm like, boy, are you kidding me? So I'm telling y'all today, turn your ears on. Turn your ears on. God is trying to tell you something that will transform you forever if you let him. You were made in the image of God. In fact, I'm getting ready to blow your mind with this one because I know you may have never heard this before in your entire life because it's something people don't allow themselves to notice in the Bible. But in John chapter 10, the Jews were trying to stone Jesus for him saying that he is one with the Father. And Jesus said to them, 
Is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. And this is the second time that this had been said in the Bible because it was first written by Asaph in Psalms. And then the Lord repeated it. Jesus said, if he, Asaph, called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you stone me for blasphemy? The one who has been sanctified by the father? So the point of the matter is we were created in his image, which means we mirrored him. What do you see when you look in the mirror? An image of yourself, right? So when God created us, he wanted to look in the mirror at himself through us. He wants to see himself when he looks at you. And I've studied enough scripture to know what standards as a people we should be holding ourselves to. And no, this doesn't mean we're perfect and we will get it right all the time. No, this doesn't mean that we take the place of God. This means that it's a process of learning how to die daily to the self and live through Christ. Colossians 3 says, you have taken off your old self with this practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no division in the body, but Christ is all and he is in all. So not only are you in the image of Christ, but he's living in you right now. What was the point of him creating us this way if he didn't want us to adapt his characteristics, his beliefs, his holiness, and all that he is? There's even a scripture where he prays for us and he, and he says, Lord, I've given them the glory that you've given me. And I want them to be one as we are one. I in them and you and me, and we are all one. He gave us access. Now, my method in bringing you here and exposing this and breaking this all down about being in the image of the Messiah is to open your eyes concerning your original identity. I'm trying to get you to look beyond your faults and your mistakes or even your own personal accomplishments and gains and get you to see a deeper and more profound identity within yourself. The part of you that really only matters, your God DNA. You are a piece of clay that the potter wants to shape into his image again. Because you see, we were created in the image of God, but when the fall happened, our identity in God shifted quite a bit. It shifted so much that Christ had to come down into the form of man in order to mold us into something greater. And here's the thing. It only works if you believe and accept the shaping. He says, by grace, through faith, you are saved. If there's no faith on your end, there's no grace. But when you start to consider that if he is all that he is, then you are all that you are, you will wake up and see things differently. You will start to see yourself differently. You will start to notice your situation differently. 
your entire mindset will revolutionize. You'll do your best to act holy and adapt better thoughts because you'll find that you just can't do certain things being made in the image of God. You can't just be beating yourself up for stuff because God wouldn't do that to you and he wouldn't do that to himself. So you can't do that to you because then that's you saying that God didn't do a good job with you, that he didn't create you right and that the process that he's bringing you through is not the right process. And then you just won't be able to talk to people any kind of way. You can't spend time focusing on things that have no clear purpose. You'll start to, you know, set these higher standards for yourself. Not so high that you don't give yourself grace when you mess up, but high enough that instead of trying to fit into culture, you realize that you don't have to look like them and talk like them and think on their level because you're accepted and adapted by God, and you have his blood flowing through your veins, you'll realize that you have a power in you that knows how to fight against fear and doubt and small thinking. You'll find that you'll come into agreement with everything he says about you. You are valuable. You are capable. You are blessed and highly favored. You are chosen for this assignment. You'll start to set these higher standards for yourself and they will become your holy standards, your righteous standards. So that's point number one. God sees you as he sees himself. Now, let's move on to my next point. And I'm kind of piggybacking off of what we started with. Number two, you are a life-giving seed planted by God. As we learned earlier, we live in a culture that pays more attention to the fruit than they do the root. They see the likes, the comments, and the views on a post, and that becomes the thing that they worship because becoming viral has become a virus on social media, obviously. People will do anything to get seen. Who cares about character anymore? Who cares about the condition of the inside of the cup? Instead of only cleaning the outside for looks, as the Bible says. I mean, is anybody out there working on the posture of their heart? The unclean thoughts, the unforgiveness, the strife, the faith walk. <laughs> Thank goodness God isn't like man, because we would be in trouble if he was. But luckily, he has a different lens than we do. He doesn't attend to what's seen. For what is seen is unstable and changes like the wind without an anchor. Instead, he shows us that growth takes its shape in the root before reaping the fruit. His main focus is on the seed, his seed, us, me, and you. And as he nurtures the seed, we eventually become a tree, a tree of life. Because in the beginning, God planted a garden where Adam was. But because all of that that happened in the beginning uh, went left field, when God came back and did everything over and he reconnected the father to the people, I believe, and I have this strong prophetic revelation in my heart, that God wants to plant again. But this time, he wants to plant us. And he wants to plant a tree of life inside of us. 
Because if you think about it, the tree of life is still living in us because Jesus is the tree of life. That's why the Hebrew text would often call the cross a tree because Jesus died on the tree of death so that we could be reunited with the tree of life and that we would be able to have eternal life through him when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. So let God plant you. We are not talking about gardens anymore. We're talking about planting you and planting a tree inside of you. Hebrews 11 and 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So let's go back to the beginning again and get a clearer picture of what he's talking about. When I rededicated my life to Christ in 2019, he showed me just how dynamic creation week was. He didn't just create the entire universe in seven days and stash away his creative power until revelation appears. No, that's not how it worked. Genesis is present in every single book of the Bible. Genesis is present anytime God does a new thing in a person, place, or community. So it's not just the first book of the Bible, but it's the way that God operates in everything. He's always wanting to do a new thing. That's why you see that all throughout the Bible with God saying that I'm ready to do a new thing. He takes something that's broken and he fixes it. He takes something that's empty and he fills it. He's always ready to do a new thing. Now, the word Genesis, let me go back to the definition of that. It can be defined as the very root of something. So when God chose Abraham to be the father of many nations, he took him through a Genesis first. He tested how deeply rooted his faith was by asking him to sacrifice Isaac and telling him to leave his home and family behind to take a trip to a new land. He did a new thing in him. And that seed of faith that Abraham planted back then, we now reap the blessings of today. Because whenever God plants something, oh, it's going to last for generations upon generations. You better believe it. Now, when Paul was full of darkness and persecuting the Christians, remember that? The Lord blinded him so that he could reroot him and call him to apostleship. He did a new thing. And that seed of faithfulness that Paul planted back then, we now reap the books of the New Testament because of. He wrote a third of the New Testament because of that seed of faith that he had. When Jesus chose his disciples, he told them to do what? Leave what was familiar to them and follow him. He did a new thing in them as well. And they went from fishermen to fishers of men. In fact, this theology was so important for God to get through to me that I even had a vision about it. One day in prayer, the Lord took me inside of my belly and met me there. This was after he had freed me from depression. And at first I saw nothing. I only saw darkness and void, just like in Genesis. You know how in the beginning there was darkness and void, it was emptiness. And then all of a sudden, Water appeared in my belly, a beautiful blue sky, and the sun came up. 
dry land appeared. And suddenly, Jesus started walking on the shore in front of me. And then he turned his head to the side and he looked at me out of the corner of his eye and he said, look at what I've done in you. While he was pointing down at the ground and pointing back up at the sky, he was showing me everything. Just like in Genesis, when he created something new, he had done that same miracle again, but this time it was in me, beginning with a tiny seed of my faith. And if you don't know my story, I am a woman who came from being raped at five years old, addicted to sexual sin by 11, pregnant by 19, depressed and suicidal for years. And I went from that to writing a massive how-to book on how to be delivered from depression using the miracle-making power of God. It was his word that was actual medicine to my bones and a cure for my soul. And it wasn't therapy. I didn't take antidepressants. It was a word of God, honestly. I had cried out to him uh, one night and I said, God, who am I? Who am I really? Because I'm not seeing it. And he responded to me and he said, find out everything you can about me. And in that, I'll show you who you are and what your purpose is on this earth. So you know what I did? I planted all of my faith in that one action. And he took that seed of faith and made a harvest out of it. And now I'm here today talking about my story and encouraging people. So creation week did not end on day seven. It became a cycle of God's unchangeable nature. It's a depiction of how God works out every matter to completion. The God who was the same yesterday, the same today, and the same forever, wants every created thing to have babies. That's why humans, animals, and plants procreate. That's why one body of water separates into various headwaters, that's why the sky houses an entire ecosystem, not just one planet, but multiple planets, not just one star, but multiple stars. That's why there are several grains of sand on the ground in a full collection of seasons and the gospel that has spread over all the nations, reaching every corner of the earth. God finds pleasure in the multiplication of his art, just like any artist would. Therefore, each person God calls, and yes, he called you too, or you wouldn't be here, we will all first begin as a seed. And that seed, aka you and me, will grow and develop into a harvest that pleases him. So the next time you hear the words rebuilding, replanting, reestablishing, regrouping, reinventing, think of Genesis. There must be a new root in order to reap the fruit. And those roots began first with something as tiny as a seed. And that, that right there is what makes it a creative miracle. That's why he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could tell a mountain to throw itself into the water. Because God can do a whole lot with a seed, y'all. He can do a whole lot with something small. My children have been learning all about the plant life cycle in school in the spring this year. And I had one child in the, in the fourth grade. She's going to fifth. And then 
another in kindergarten and my baby is in daycare. So my oldest two, they are four years apart, but they have both been on this plant life cycle movement. And I mean, my daughter had even become a whole plant mom out here, y'all. She's better than me. I can't keep no plants alive, but she was keeping her plant alive. She was growing sunflowers on our deck and faithfully watering them every single day. And she don't always remember to do what we ask her to do, but, you know, she can take care of her plants, though. <laughs> so they had um, they had came home with painted trees and everything tree related. And to be honest, this is the major reason I decided to name this podcast Red, which is, you know, the acronym for Rooted. Because when I say I had seen trees in their roots everywhere, y'all, I had seen them everywhere. No lie, no cap. I even had dreams about trees, me climbing trees, trees coming to me. I mean, like I seen the word root everywhere and the word tree everywhere and literally every image of a tree. It's been insane how many times the Lord has confirmed this to me to start this podcast. And I didn't even have to ask him for a sign. I can't imagine if I did ask him for a sign, I probably would have had trees falling down around me or plants sprouting up in the middle of nowhere while I'm out on the sidewalk pushing a baby in a stroller. Like it's been crazy. But anyways, so because this has been a recurrence in my life, I decided to learn about the plant life cycle myself and see what God was really trying to teach me and what it was all about. And I felt that it could somehow connect to this message. And it fascinated me so much that I wanted to share it with you as we unfold the second major way God sees us. So the first was he sees through you, which means to detect the true nature of a person. And we learn that God sees you as he sees himself. But the second way he sees you is that he sees you through. So not only does he see through you, but he sees you through which means he persists with an undertaking until you are complete in him. Mm. Philippians 1 and 6 verifies this definition. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is so perfect. <laughs> that is so good. Let's break this down in plant life cycle form. For starters, in order for a seed to grow, it has to be in a suitable environment. There are chemicals inside of the seed's coat, which is the outer layer, that tells the seed when it's okay to start growing. For example, sunflower seeds in a bag of granola is not a stable environment for growth because it can't grow around a bunch of mess and no soil. So the seed will remain alive in a bag of granola, but it just will be inactive or asleep, something known as being dormant. As believers, because we are God's seed, what's in us will often remain asleep until we learn to get in a stable habitat for growth. Oh, <laughs> so good. Because, like a sunflower seed, we're often put in messy conditions, whether that's negative self-talk, doubting God, people's offenses, a hurtful past, or something else, 
It's impossible to grow from it if we don't allow God to search us and reroot us in his soil. Remember, when God sees you, capital S-E-E-S, he searches everything effectively to save his seed. So he will look far and wide for what's blocking you from blooming. He wants to develop you into the man or woman he's called you to be. But for that to happen, he has to first change your habitat, your dwelling place. He has to pull you away from those friends that are no longer good for you, remove you from that position that has stunted your career, reset that schedule that doesn't have prayer and Bible study penciled in. You cannot grow if you're stuck in the same granola bag as the rest of society. He has to remove the mess in order to see you blessed. But here's the catch. It's not going to feel good. It's a process. It hurts. And no process feels good. In fact, it's going to be very uncomfortable letting go of what you tie your time and faith to in order to follow God. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. You will get lost at some point and wonder, what the heck am I even doing here? What's going on in my life? Why is this happening to me? And trust me, I've been through all of the motions, but I can tell you this, following God's will over my own eventually turns out for my good, even when it sucks at first. So you just have to keep believing and stay consistent. Jesus even warned us that we would face confusion. He said, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. That sounds a lot like the phrase hindsight is 2020, if you ask me. Hindsight refers to the understanding of a situation after it has played out. And 2020 is perfect vision. So when you look back on this, on all he's brought you through, you will see things clearly. And you might even feel bad that you doubted him in the first place, but you'll get it. Just trust him. Now, the sooner you let him clean you out, the sooner he can start fixing you up. Because one fact about a seed is that a seed can stay asleep for hundreds or even thousands of years. So the question is, how long will it take you to allow God to wake up what he's planted in you? Food for thought. Okay, so the next step in the plant life cycle is known as germination. This right here is what begins the actual growth of the plant. Once a seed is put in soil, it now has seed needs. That seed will need water, sunlight, and the right temperature to start growing. Notice that I didn't say food. Because, listen to this, inside of the seed, there is something called an endosperm that supplies the seed with built-in snacks for energy until that seed can start making food on its own above ground. When you first start walking with Jesus or returning to him, he may start you out on a milk diet, the elementary teachings about him, just until you've spiritually matured enough for solid food, the deep revelations of righteousness. Paul says in Hebrews 5 and 6 that a person who lives on milk is still an infant of the faith, but the person who has learned to distinguish between the godly and ungodly is mature enough 
for solid food. We talking about the meat and the potatoes. So that person should, in time, come to know God well enough to be able to teach and testify about him to others. When I started learning about the Lord, he started me out in the book of John, which gave me a basic idea of who Christ was, who he was in me, and who I am in him. And now it's been three years later, and I've learned so much about him that I could teach it for the rest of my life. So although I started out as an infant, my dedication to get to know God has upgraded my faith diet to solid food. But just like a seed, I needed water, aka Jesus, the living water. I needed sunlight, Jesus, the light of the world. And I needed the right temperature, his loving and warm presence. And for this last one, I could also add that I needed the right temperament. So not just the right temperature, but I needed the right temperament, the right attitude. Instead of, you know, being a Debbie Downer and complaining about how long the process is taking or how unfair it is or how hard it is, you need to practice patience and faithfulness as you go from seed to tree. Now, in this stage, God will provide for you. He will water you. He will shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. He will stand beside you the entire time. In fact, he will never let you go even as you reach new levels. But this is the stage where he'll truly show you that he's with you and that he's got this so you can let go. Your part in this is simple. Be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46 and 10. That means keep in step with the spirit. As you nurse on milk, praying more, fasting, studying your word, not just reading it, and thinking on good things, let Holy Spirit feed you from the inside as you grow and develop. Run to him, not from him, because that's where your help comes from. And don't make it boring. The Bible can be fun. I'm actually doing a video that is going to be coming out here pretty soon. It might have already came out by the time that this podcast is up, but I will be teaching my uh, technique on how to study the Bible efficiently and actually make it more fun, you know, because the word is the word is good. The word is good. You're supposed to be eating the pages and stages. OK, and I will teach you how to do that. So moving on in the plant life cycle, after the seed has started to get all that it needs to function, the seed coat cracks open and the root of the plant begins to grow. The root always grows downward no matter which way the seed was planted, and it continues to find minerals and water to feed the plant. Once the plant is all grown up, these deep roots will have another job. Their job will be to serve as the plant's anchor so that it won't tip over or blow away in the wind. Okay, so let's break this down in kingdom terms. The purpose that God has placed in you will start to crack open and reveal itself as you build a relationship with him. This is the moment deep roots are formed. This is when you go to the deep places of God and those roots continue to find minerals and water to encourage and empower you. 
which will create intimacy and partnership between you and Christ. This is vital to see any successful business or marriage work, and it is also imperative for kingdom work. And I'm talking about intimacy. He can't use you like he wants without intimacy because he has to be able to trust you and you have to be able to trust him. Now, don't misunderstand this word. Intimacy is not a sexual word. You can have sex without being intimate with the person. Intimacy means togetherness, closeness, companionship. You have to get to a place in your faith where you and God are on one accord, being of the same mind and spirit. Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you as it was in Christ Jesus. And in John 17, Jesus prays for us and says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be brought to complete unity. This is about intimacy with God. When he created people, he did so because he wanted an intimate relationship. He could have just stopped at the angels. But instead, he said, I wanted someone made in my image that I could love on and that they could love on me and that we can just have this beautiful relationship. God wants intimacy with you. And your relationship with him should be nearsighted. Your connection to culture should be out of reach. It should be farsighted. When a person is nearsighted, it means that they see an image clearer when it's closer to the eye, but then it gets blurry when it's farther away from them. In other words, seek, S-E-E-K. Isaiah 55 and 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him while he is near nearsightedness. Pay attention to what looks and feels like God and let everything else fall at a distance. Seek peace instead of the need to win an argument. Seek love instead of resentment. Seek forgiveness instead of holding a grudge. Seek the greater source working through you for your good and his glory. Because I'm telling you, When you look for God's hand in everything around you, you will clearly see the presence of God right in front of you. You shouldn't have to put on glasses to see God. He shouldn't have to raise his voice for you to hear him. He should be able to breathe on you and you feel it. That's how close you need to be to him, especially in the times that we're living in, where people seek to do evil and don't give a rat's tail about who they're affecting. Now, this this intimacy here, this will begin with humility. You have to learn how to put yourself aside to make the person that you love the main priority. And that's something that I've learned even in my own marriage. The relationship is stronger when both parties put the other one first. So humble yourself before the Lord. That's why the roots grow downward before the plant springs upward. The roots know that they can't see a stem until they've gotten down on their knees in submission. You have got to let your guard down in order to let God in. That submission, being on your knees, knowing that you need him for everything, is what is going to anchor you. Because newsflash, 
you don't know everything and you definitely don't know what's best for you. That's his job, baby. That is his job. Humility is what builds an unbreakable covenant of trust. Before Jesus became king of all kings, he washed his disciples' feet. Why in the world would he do that? He did that to show us that no matter how much glory you carry, no matter how favored you are or how much grace he's given you, it means nothing if you aren't a humble person. Do not be surprised if you have a season of serving before he prospers you. And this is going to look different for everyone. But for me, this has meant temporarily sacrificing my life to put my husband and children first. I've been serving them for 10 years, and it's been a necessary part of my growth. It has taught me a whole lot about who I am and what God wants me to do and how God operates. He has to humble you in order to mold you. And during that humbling stage, while you're spending time with him and getting to know him, you're not just wasting time. You're building yourself on rock. You're learning how to be unshakable. Where just like the plants in its roots, Matthew 7 says, everyone who hears these words and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. And the rain fell and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Stay rooted and anchored by God every day of your life, growing that intimacy. And I promise you will never fall. The winds will come and they will beat on you. But where will they find you standing as if nothing ever happened? So the last step of the plant life cycle is about the sprouting. After the roots have taken shape, a stem called a shoot grows upward and pushes through the top of the soil to reach air. It continues to grow into what it was destined to be from the beginning whether that's a sunflower or an apple tree. Before you were in the womb, God knew you. He appointed you and set you apart. According to Jeremiah 1 and 5, you were chosen from the beginning and you will blossom into something beautiful when the Lord is through with you. Don't get sidetracked by things crashing down around you or your thoughts saying you can't do this. It's gonna happen. What God has placed in you will be birthed and it'll be a sight to see too because it will have been birthed from your pain and patience, from cultivation and care. Whatever he has for you is for you. Can't nobody take that away. I remember finishing up the last major chapter of my book and this was the most trying time out of the whole writing experience for me because I had just made it out of a very unfortunate pregnancy. My body was still broken and my baby came out with every stomach issue in the book. So he was crying consistently and he was a huge baby. He had came out almost 10 pounds and I had to write the book while holding him or while feeding him. And when I tell you I was so angry in this time, I was resentful towards God. And oh my goodness, I kept saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't. I just, I just can't. I'm going to like die of a heart attack or have some type of a stroke or something. 
I wasn't getting any sleep. I couldn't think straight. I mean, everything was wrong. And it felt like God was just looking at me instead of helping. But when I tell you, he started to show up for me and help me get through it. He saw me. I watched him stand next to me one night and give me strength to finish. I felt my angels standing beside me every other night and strengthening me to finish it. And let me tell you, that chapter, chapter eight of my book, that is my absolute favorite chapter. Because God showed me that just like a mother in labor, even in my pain, I will give birth to the seed he's placed in me. And that seed will be like new life, new blessings, new favor, new success. And it'll be something to see and testify about. That it wasn't you who did it all, but it was God who graced you for it. In the beginning, God told us to do what? Eat from the tree of life. But instead, we decided to build our own roots of sin by eating from something we saw as pleasure. So to fix this, Jesus came down, laid down his life on the cursed tree. And they laid him down on the cross and nailed him to it. Then he resurrected as the tree of life. And now he lives in us so that we too can produce a harvest that extends from the same tree. That's why he says we are the branches. He is the vine and the father is the vine dresser. Every branch in him that doesn't bear fruit, he takes it away. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it can make more fruit. Prune means to cut away at or to thin it out. That means if you are called by God, you will be stretched thin. But in the end, you win only if you abide in him. He says the branch can't make fruit by itself. It's only fruitful because of the vine. So remain in me as I remain in you. God is glorified when we bear fruit. He takes such a pleasure in it that he even says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you desire and I will do it. Isn't that encouraging? So this step right here, this last step is something that should be everlasting. As you flourish, as your visions come true, as your wealth increases, let him occupy the depth of your soul. Let his words bear fruit in your life. And don't you ever forget that you were made in the image of the one and only God himself. So be as he is. Listen more than you speak. Act holy, but not holier than thou. Be humble as he is. Forgive as he forgave you. Love harder than anything. Because if you have everything but have not love, you don't have nothing at all. And speak boldly about your faith. Not allowing anything or anyone to stand in your way. For you know now that even though the world may not truly see you for who you are, the Lord does. And he will continue to search everything effectively to save his seed because he knows your roots. And the roots of a tree, although they are unseen, are the most powerful structure of any plant or tree or person. 
So walk in that today. Be proud of your roots. As Corinthians 4 says, fix your eyes on what is unseen. Since what is seen is only temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Then Hebrews 11 tells us to persevere in that now that we see him who is invisible. So I'll end the message with this question. After listening to all of this talk on vision today, what is it that you see in you? And will you allow people's opinions to change your character? Or will you stay true to who God made you to be? Lord, we thank you for opening our eyes today. Help us to take what we learned and magnify you with it. Teach us to be still and come to know that you are God, standing with you, not against you. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. And if you really enjoyed today's message, you will really enjoy my latest book, The Activated Word, a nine-step method to slay depression and birth as the word of God. It's available on Amazon and it's available as a print, an ebook, and an audiobook. So check it out. You will love it. Check out my website at adrianacolesparks.com and stay updated with everything that I am doing. Also, I already have merch out for the podcast. It was totally unexpected. But as I was designing the cover for the podcast, I started making merch designs, just playing around with it. And then I was thinking to myself, like, why am I doing this? <laughs> then I heard in my spirit, t-shirts. So I decided to put them on some shirts. And what's funny is my husband had been telling me to make merch for about two to three years now. And I kept turning him down. I'm like, babe, I don't, I don't need merch. That's not even something that I'm into. But look at God, we got merch. <laughs> and I've already ordered some for my husband and my mother has ordered some too. And everybody says that the shirts are very, very comfortable. And they really are. The shirts are amazing. It prints well and they are going to be the shirts that you just want to put on around the house. You, Of course, you got to wear them out so you can, you know, promote. But they're going to be those shirts where you're like, oh, I just want a very comfortable shirt to put on. So I'm going to go and get my red, the podcast T-shirts in my closet because those are dope. Uh, but yeah, so if you want to check out the merch, you can go to IamRedPodcast.com to check it out there. I have t-shirts, I have a crop hoodie, I also have a long sleeve t-shirt on there. And if the Lord gives me more designs, I will add them as he wants me to. So yeah, check it out. Also, I am thinking that I want He Sees the Unseen to be a series that I want to do. So um, stay tuned for part two of He Sees the Unseen. I can't wait to come back next week on the podcast and I pray you guys have a wonderful week and be blessed. <laughs> All right, bye.